Let's sing the first verse. Oh, once my soul was astray from the heavenly way and was wretched and vile as could it be. But my Savior above gave me peace, joy, and love when He reached down His hand for me. into the depths. Amen. God bless you this morning. Good to see some of your faces that I haven't seen for a good long time. Some I've seen in other locations that are down, but it's good to see you right there. God bless you. God bless you on the stream this morning. I don't see you on my screen, but God bless you at the camp. We welcome you into the presence of the Lord today. Amen. Good to see the T-Catch family too up there. Amen. Sister Shelley, Brother Terry. I want to sing a song this morning. Sing the wondrous love of Jesus. Amen. Of his mercies and his grace. When we all get to heaven is what it is. <laughs> there it is. Amen. We could not stop singing that. Of the wondrous love of our Lord. Oh, sing the wondrous love of Jesus. Sing his mercy and his grace. In the mansions bright and blessed. He'll prepare for us a place Oh, and we all get to heaven What a day of rejoicing that will be When we all see Jesus We'll sing and shout the victory Well, while we walk the pilgrim pathway Clouds will overspread the sky, but when traveling days are over, not a shadow, not a sigh. 
Can you say it like the blood is on you on the doorposts and he's passed? This is good, brother Bob. Amen. This is wonderful. My hope. I stand in awe within the presence of the Lord. Amen. In whom the wisdom of the angel lies. For whom the raging of the sea subsides. The living sacrifice for the only source of life. Oh, my hope is in the Lord. From this time. forgiveness, Lord Jesus, this morning. Lord, may those in your presence today, Lord, reach, Lord, and say, oh, you're my hope. You're my all in all. You're my love, Lord. I need you for healing, forgiveness. Lord, in my brokenness this morning, may, Lord, I run to you. Oh, God, comfort the weary this morning. We come to worship you. We come to praise you, Lord, today. Hallelujah this morning. Amen. Amen. He's our Hope in Him. Too many have hope in things that will falter and fail. But we have one that our hope is in that will never, ever pass away. Amen. We're going to go to prayer this morning. Just uh, 
want to bring a little report. Brother Tom is in the hospital still this morning. There till probably tomorrow still, but uh, the operation went well. And the uh, doctor, we haven't got complete words yet from the uh, physician as there was some gap in schedules. But uh, what we've been told is they've been said they were really pleased with the placement of the apparatus. But it was a very difficult operation just with the removing one and putting in another. And it was very complicated. And so, Brother Tom, uh, it was quite a bit of pain in the last few days. And so he's been really trying to manage that with the staff at the hospital. So we just remember him this morning in prayer. He wanted me just to express his deepest thanksgiving to each one for your prayers it's uh he's lonely there in the hospital all alone with nobody to come in you're no family you know even your wife's not even able to come into the hospital and so it can be pretty pretty lonely place there and so we just lift up him before the lord this morning and just remember him on your hearts as he's there and pray the lord just would be his he would be the unseen guest in the room today amen I want to remember our brother Ron, continue to remember brother Ron Spencer in prayer. You know, we say, well, we've prayed many times. Well, we just keep lifting up our saints before the Lord. We just storm heaven's gates. Amen. This morning, brother Dan, I'm going to have you come and pray if you would this morning. And we'll remember sister Rena needs in our assembly. I don't have any needs that have been written down, but you lift them up before the Lord at the camp. Lift your hands up there. I see you on my screen. God bless you. He's present here. He's present there. And he's present in each one of your homes this morning. Amen. Brother Dan. Heavenly Father, we are truly grateful to be here this morning, Lord. To be gathered in your house, Lord, surrounded by believers of like precious faith, Lord. And Lord, you have given us this house, you've given us this place to come to worship you, Father. And here we are, Lord Jesus, casting all aside everything that's happened in our lives, Lord Jesus. You brought us to this place and we want to worship you, O God. We want to give you praise, Lord Jesus. We want to give you glory and adoration, Father. For you are the creator of heavens and earth, Lord. You've created our hearts. You've created our lives, Lord Jesus. And we bow down before you, Lord. Oh, God, we exalt thy holy name, Lord Jesus. There's something special about this place. There's something special about this house of God that you've given us, Lord Jesus, about the burdens that we have, Lord, that we can now bring to you, Father. Oh, Lord, we love you so much, Lord Jesus. We give you praise, oh, God. And even as we heard on Wednesday night, Lord Jesus, you love us so much, oh God. You love us with a great love, Lord Jesus, one we can never, ever comprehend, Lord. But, Father, we give you all that we have, Lord Jesus, all that we can give, Lord. Our own lives, Lord Jesus, our very breath, Father. Every step that we take, Lord Jesus, we offer it to you, Lord Jesus. Knowing, Father, that you have carried us thus far and you will carry us even further. We love you, Lord Jesus. We pray for Brother Tom this morning, Father, that the love and the presence that we feel in this room, Lord, will go to him even now, Lord Jesus. Surround him with your love, O Father. Surround him with your presence, Lord Jesus. Let your Holy Spirit as a dove, O God, let it flutter into the room, Lord, to give him, to give him peace, Lord Jesus. Let the healing virtue of Almighty God touch him now, Father. Take the pain away, O God. Raise him up for your glory, Lord Jesus. He's been such a servant, such a friend, O God. Such a wonderful pastor as that we have, O God. And we just pray, Father, that you would come his way this morning, O God. Oh, touch him in a special way, Father. Brother Ron Spencer as well, Lord. You're doing healing work, Lord, through these wonderful men of God. And we just pray, Father, you would be with him as well, O God. Raise them up, Lord Jesus. 
Oh, Father, they are here to wield the sword, to wield this word, oh, Father, to, to, to be devil slayers, oh, God. And we pray, Father, that once again that they would be able to step behind this very pulpit, Lord, and preach your word to us, Lord. We ask for Brother Tim, Lord Jesus, as we be prepared to, to bring the word this morning, Lord. You've laid him aside, oh God. You've prepared a vessel, Lord Jesus. And we pray, Father, as he's laid himself before you, oh God, as he's prepared himself, Lord, that even us in the pews and us at home, Father, we prepare our hearts, Lord Jesus, to receive from you, Lord, that which you would speak to us, Lord. Speak the word to our souls, oh God. Change us from the inside out, oh God. We are here to reflect your grace, to here to reflect your love, Lord Jesus, to stand fast with this message, O oh God, to run this race, O oh God, as our pastor has stood behind this desk and told us to run, Lord, we will run, Father. Be with us now in the song service, Lord, everyone behind the scenes, Father, each one at home, Lord Jesus, at the camp, Father, we pray, Lord, for, Lord, that your word would go forth and would do the exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think, Lord. We ask these things in your precious and holy name, Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. You may have your seats. Amen. Well, I sure love waking up on a sunshiny, sunny summer day and Sunday morning and we can come and we can sing and we can worship and hear the word. Ain't nothing better than that. Amen. Amen. Brother Yoma's going to have a special for us this morning. You want to come up, Brother Yoma? I'll get the microphone all ready for you. Won't delay the service too long for Brother Tim. Give him all his time we can. We're going to have a wonderful time in his presence here this morning. Bless you. First Samuel chapter two, verse eight. He raiseth up the poor out of the dust to set them among princes, and to make them inherit the throne of glory. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and he hath set the world upon them. to riches from silver to gold from thieves to diamonds of value untold from the slum to a palace forever to sing he takes a beggar and makes him a king he lifteth the poor from the dust to the throne. He shelters the orphans and calls them his own. He healeth the blind and makes the dumb sing. He takes a beggar and makes him Oh, from slavery to freedom, from darkness to light, He gives joy for sorrow and peace for strife. A husband to widows, 
comes on that, that no let's just sing I pledge allegiance to the lamb amen let's we can maybe stand and sing that as brother Tim would come we invite him to the, the pulpit this morning I was just reading even a little bit to my children we were reading a little bit about it was a fictional story so to say but on the events of the Christians of old and it just rang in our heart my how they could stand there and take the punishment and the persecution they did but they had such a love in their hearts they'd stand no matter what and that is what we have today that same love in us can stand in this world in this wicked generation against those same spirits that are trying to hinder our walk amen let's sing that with all our heart here this morning verse 1 oh I have heard how Christians long ago were brought before a time a great angelic choir sing I can almost hear 
sing that without music. I pledge allegiance to the land with all my strength, with all I am, I will seek to honor His command. I bow our heads as the piano softly plays Heavenly Father 
Lord, that's our prayer this morning. Lord, that's our commitment. We've had a couple services recently that were reminded of that, our first love. Lord, that you were there all the time. Lord, the different ways that you dealt with our heart and dealt with the hearts of the different ones, Lord. We come unto you this morning. And we respond, Lord, we pledge allegiance to the Lamb. Not just in words, but with all our strength, with all that we are. And Lord, you said yourself when you walked in flesh on the earth that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. And we do that, Lord, because you first loved us. And as we're gathered together this morning in heavenly places, not necessarily in one physical place, but we're gathered together in heavenly places this morning in Christ Jesus. Lord, as we're in this place, this place where all things are possible, this place, Lord, where you deal with hearts, this place where you mold lives, this place where you give revelation, Lord, where you lift burdens and you loose chains, Lord, we pray and invite that you would have your way this morning. Do that which only you can do, Lord. A man is just a man. He can yield himself. He can write a few notes. But it takes God to do the supernatural. And so we invite you, Lord, to have the preeminence this morning. May you just take complete control. Overshadow us with your presence. Lead us with your great wisdom and mind, we pray. As we commit this service to you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. While we're standing together, let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Genesis chapter 1. I want to greet you all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll be turning in two places, Genesis chapter 1 and Romans chapter 8. And uh, I want to say first of all this morning, thank you to the translators. Uh, and sorry to the translators as well. My apologies. Brother Murphy's not here this morning, so someone is, is filling in for him. So to the Chinese believers that are streaming the Chinese, you'll hear a voice different than Brother Murphy's this morning. And, uh, he said, uh, if you have, if you are able to get the translator the quotes before you preach, that would help them to look up the quotes in Chinese. Uh, and be able to quote directly. And uh, I was unable to do that because uh, right up till it seems like almost the last minute I was deciding which ones to use and which ones not to use. And I got pages upon pages upon pages of quotes on this subject. And so we we certainly cannot use them all, but you can certainly study it for yourself. And so, uh, sorry to the translators this morning, I was unable to do that. But I want to greet you all that are here, and greet you that are online, and trust that this will be a blessing to you today. I've had a subject on my mind uh, since I preached on the subject of the mind that has wisdom, and I thought if I ever get two services together, uh, back to back, like this Sunday and next Sunday, then I would be able to bring the subject in a maybe way that would be appropriate to it. And uh, I would title it this morning, and maybe you've already seen the title, it's the Ought to Be Condition. Uh, but specifically, uh, this today I want to preach about 
the fall of masculinity and next week the fall of femininity. And if the Lord will help me, and believe me, I'm more scared about next week's service than this week's. <laughs> so the Lord help us because we don't want the opinion of a man. We want the revealing of the Word of God. Amen. And so uh, uh, I also want to bring greetings from around the world to all of you, especially to you, Brother Ed. Uh, different places. Uh, I think a brother, uh, I got it written here, Brother Stephen and Brother Fred from Uganda, Brother Mogus from Ethiopia, also Brother Stanley from India, Brother Bas from Uganda. I could keep on going down the list of the different brothers and from different countries, whether it be Angola, Malawi, um, England, Germany. Uh, oh my, just go on and on and on. This is a worldwide bride. How did God out of a little place like Jeffersonville, anoint a man to be a messenger to the age and take that message and send it all over the world like this. Only God can do something like that. This was certainly not out of the mind of a man. Amen. So let's, let's take our Bibles. Genesis and 1 is where we'll read first of all. And remember our title is The Ought to Be condition. And God said, verse 26, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. And so God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him Male and female created he them. All right. Now, I want you to notice in verse 27, before we, we go over to Romans, God says, let us make man in our image. And he says, then he says, let them have dominion. All right. But how many did he make? One. And how many was he? One. But so there's a, there's a certain aspect to this creation that is a reflection of God as He's displaying Himself here in mankind. Alright, Romans chapter 1. I'll just leave that there for a moment. Romans chapter 8, I'm sorry. Romans chapter 8. Romans 8 and verse uh, 20. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason who has subjected the same in hope. Brother Thomas so ably ministered on that word hope. I don't know if he's watching this morning, if he's able to. If he is, we get send greetings to the hospital to Brother Tom. Glad that the operation went well. But... It, Brother Tom has ministered on the subject of hope and saying hope is not just a hope so. Hope is an expected end. Hope is an expectation. Alright, so God has subjected humanity to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of Him, God, who has subjected the same in hope. So He's given us this earthly life to come through a fallen nature with an expectation. Next verse. Because the creature itself 
also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption. Think 1 Corinthians 15 when you read that. You can read 1 Corinthians 15 when you go home. From the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Amen. The Lord add His blessing to the word. You may be seated. I was thinking of that quote, which is where I got that title out of how that, that, that sister, they, some people were making fun of her maybe for the way that she was as a Christian and that sort of thing. And, and she says, well, you know, maybe I'm not what I ought to be and I'm not what I want to be, but one thing for sure is I'm not what I used to be. Amen. And so she knew that something had happened in her life. But yet she still had an expectation that there was an ought to be condition. There's an expectation of a, uh, uh, of an expected position that the word would bring her to. Now, as we studied, uh, looked at the river Euphrates, many were asking, please go on about the river Euphrates and all the different channels that were there. But we're just going to set that aside. But, I, but I just want to say, as we studied on that last time that we ministered, uh, last time that I ministered, uh, the, on the river Euphrates, the Bible calls it the great river as a, as a study on the source of the inspiration of the civilization that we're living in, which comes from Babylon. And there are many, uh, different avenues that that affects our lives and that puts pressure upon our lives with some of which we'll go into today. But I want to say that that's one type of civilization that come out of the mind of the devil. And that we are living in a time that we call Satan's Eden. Or in other words, Satan has brought this civilization to the pinnacle of what he had in his mind. But God has a civilization that will have no end. The Bible says of his kingdom there will be no end. It will last forever. It come from the thoughts of God. It come all the way back from the time, all the way from the time back when he was alone with his thoughts. And remember God's thoughts being eternal. God never had a new thought. And it's important that we realize these basic principles as Christians because God is not trying to figure out how to do it. It's all a part of the plan of God. And so God in his great mind had these thoughts and how that that there he, he began to manifest it in the beginning of creation upon the earth, knowing that man would fall. But yet there in the Garden of Eden, he put man and he put... Uh, he put him there in a dual nature, which we'll come to in a moment. And there in the Garden of Eden, there was something called the tree of life and the tree of knowledge. And, and there was a key to all of it that was called the Lamb's Book of Life. Or we would call it the title deed. As Brother Branham referred to that uh, book of life as the title deed. Now, that title deed, which Adam held at that time before his fallen condition, but he lost it in the fall by partaking of the tree of knowledge. Is that right? But the title deed, the, the Lamb's Book of Life, did not go into the hand of the enemy because it's not, like we would say, it's not a literal book. It's not Pages of a Bible written like this and words on it. it. Brother Bradham says, your name is written there. 
But your name is not written like John Smith or Tim Dodd or Ed Biscoll or something like that. Your, your name of your characteristic and your nature is written there. All right. So the characteristic and nature that you are was recorded in the title deed, lost in availability, not totally lost, but lost in availability to mankind throughout 6,000 years in the end time to be redeemed. Amen. The price was paid at Calvary for the redemption of the book. That's why the, Paul records in Romans here, he says there's coming a deliverance still. Now this is after Calvary. There's coming a deliverance. Your body will be delivered. You're, you're subject to vanity. You're subject to weakness. You're subject to corruption. You're subject to all kinds of things because of the fall. But it was all with an expectation. God has an expectation. There will come a time, the Bible says, in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, all the mystery of God would be finished. That would be the time that the Lamb would step forth in Revelation chapter 5 and take this title deed. We call it a title deed. We call it a book. That's a very simplistic view of it. But it's, it's, an, it's the fullness of the revelation of the redemptive plan of God and who He is and who you are. That God would take this and He would loose the seals from off of it, revealing Himself and in the process revealing our relationship to Him. Are you with me so far? Alright, now don't, don't let me lose you. I'm not, I'm not wanting to just dwell on this, but I have to lay this foundation. So Adam lost this, this key to everything that Adam had in the Garden of Eden. He lost it, but if the sons of God could re- regain it, then we would once again be able to come into the image we were meant to be in. Alright? Now, who are these sons of God? They are children of a river greater than the river Euphrates. They are children of the river of life that flows from the throne of God. They are seed of a tree that's greater than the tree of knowledge. They are seed of the tree of life. That is planted by the river of life. They're out of every kindred, every tongue, every nation. It's not a natural lineage. It's, it's the expression of the thoughts of God in the hour that He chooses to manifest them. You are the thoughts of God that is manifested in this age. Don't lose sight of it. And the reason that we talk about how God moved in other ages is that so you could see He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. What he did back there, if we are also the seed of God and we come to him with the same attitude, he will do the same for us. And he will always do the same because he is God and he does not change. Amen. So we're, we're out of every kindred, tongue, and nation, there's a seed scattered that is called back now in these last days to their inheritance by the revealing of the title deed or the Lamb's book of life. That's what this message is about. This message, if I could say it this way, is not a, just a purer form of Christianity. This message is not a stricter form of Puritanism. This message is not a greater supernatural than Pentecostalism. 
This message is sons and daughters of God being placed in their position of what they were in the thoughts of God. That's what the message is about. It's not just salvation. I'll come to that in just a little bit here. It's it's not just, you know, our own uh, little uh, additional, I'll say, spiritual vitamin pill to make us a better Christian than maybe somebody else is. That's not what it's about. It's much more than that. It's the very thing that Adam lost in the beginning to take us as sons and daughters of God and put us in position of what God's thoughts are. Bring us to the place that God intends us to be in. In other words, brings us to the fullness of the measure of the stature of a perfect man. To bring us into the full revelation of what a son of God and what a daughter of God is meant to be. Amen. This message is much more powerful than just believing for your healing. Though we believe for our healing. Though we receive faith for our healing. This is much more powerful than just raising the dead. I've seen the dead raised. And God raises the dead. But it's more powerful than that. It's more powerful than any supernatural, natural thing you've seen. It's a supernatural work that takes us back to what God had in His thoughts before the foundation of the world that Adam and Eve had a taste of in the Garden of Eden. This message is to bring us there. That's what it's about. If you're not interested in that, you're in the wrong church. Really, you're in the wrong place. You you want just a nice Christianity, a fundamental Bible teaching that tells you do's and don'ts and how to live a nice Christian life. Go to the Baptists. Go to the Pentecostals. Well, I'm not sure they're on the Bible anymore, if they're even interested anymore. I mean, we go and and, uh, we go. The gospel goes out into countries like Uganda, into churches, so-called Pentecostal, so-called Baptists. They don't even have Bibles. How do you figure that? They don't even have Bibles. You call that Christianity? That's not Christianity. And I'll tell you what, it's, we're so glad to get those 10,000 Bibles over there. And we're so sad to hear they're not going to be enough. But God's going to do it anyway. Amen. God's going to make sure His children have what they have need of. So Brother Branham says... He was by himself in the beginning. This is in the message. And I'll give you the titles of my the messages my quotes are taken from so you can go and look them up later. In the message, Who Do You Say This Is? 1964, he says, God, he was in the beginning by himself. God dwelt alone with his thoughts. He'll never do that again. Because his thoughts are being made manifest. And that's why we are right here this day is God fellowshipping with His thoughts being made manifest. So you, by taking thought, cannot add one cubit to your stature. You cannot do this, that, or the other. It's God that showeth mercy. It's God. And then quotes, All the Father has given me will come to me. No man can come except my Father draws him. Then Brother Bram says, that settles it. 
Why are you being drawn? Because God's drawing you. Your intellect is not drawing you. Your goodness is not drawing you. If you're drawn to this message by the inspiration of a man, you will leave the message. If you're drawn to the message because of some supernatural sign or something you saw that you couldn't avoid, you'll, you'll fall away. But if you're drawn because God draws you, He will not lose one. Amen. He's got a purpose in drawing His elect to the message of the hour. Amen, Brother Derek. I can see you there. I'm not one to call out names, but God bless you. <laughs> We've come now in this hour. We're in a treacherous time, aren't we? You know, what was moving beneath the surface has really risen to the surface. It was there. You know, as I said last time I ministered, the, the 200 million demons were loosed out of Euphrates in the second woe. That's the second world war. So this has been going on since the 40s. All right. This has been moving since the 40s. In that same time, under the second woe, the vial is poured out and the Euphrates dries up. And the way is made for the kings of the east. And, oh, there's so much there. But it, it, there's as, as these things begin to unfold, we're just seeing more now because of the availability of and access of people to communication and media, what the devil's been working on for these last 55 years. Or 60 years. We're just now seeing his manifestation. And Brother Branham, in 1964, 55 years ago, in the message Shalom, he, he talks about it. And he, of course, Shalom he takes out of Isaiah 61 and, and he says it this way. He says, I said to my wife, he says, you know, it seems like as the years go on, as it just seems like that people begin to get further and further away from the real thing, that they should be getting closer and closer to. Notice that he says, this is my observation. He says, I, this is 1964, he's been preach, he's been on the field since 48. Alright, so, so now we're talking 16 years. He says, after 16 years of ministry and traveling the world and go, holding all of these hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and thousands of meetings. He says the people should be getting closer to something and it seems like they're getting further away. He says, I've noticed amongst men, look out on the streets and most amongst the women, watch their desires and what they like to do. They're ch and they're changing attitudes all the time. Men are becoming more like women and women are becoming more like men. Seems like there's no way to stop it. That's 64. If you look back at the, I don't know what, pictures or I don't know if there's videos of 1964. If you look back then and you look at the way the women were back then, you'd say, my, those were real fine feminine looking women. Dresses and all of that, much more common than you see today. Brother Branham says they're, they're not, they're wanting to become more like men. And men are becoming more like women. What is he seeing? He's seeing the trend. A prophet is given an eyesight that is identifying a trend that is taking place and it won't end there. All right. So now he says, he goes on and he says, 
I cross the nation preaching against this and come back next year and it's worse than when I started. Then people want to do right, but there's something about it that won't let them do right. It just presses down on them. It forces them. It's like a heavy, dark fog over the whole earth. Not only in Phoenix, but all over the world. There seems to be just a grouping darkness that's gathering, getting more dense and dense all the time. Then he says, just smothering out real manhood and womanhood. Then he says, I'm talking in the natural. So he's not just talking about an attitude. He's talking about the natural realm. He's not just talking about believers. He's talking about the entire world. He's talking about these things. And, and so I thought to take in the, in the next couple of services today and next week, Lord willing, to bring out the title deed and God's intention for us as men and women. Is that all right? Amen. Do you want to hear what the Bible says about these things? You want to hear what the Word of God says about these things? And usually, Brother Branham says, he says it even in this quote, he says, especially the women. And a lot of times people say, Brother Branham's hard on the women. And though he goes in one place, says, all right, you say I'm hard on the women. He says, all right, you men. And now I'm going to deal with you men. And uh, deal with you all here. And those of you that are streaming out on the internet. And if you don't like it, you best turn it off right now. Only in this age could they coin a phrase, toxic masculinity. Only in this age. Where masculinity is considered toxic. Only in this age could they come up with an idea of transgender. Or uh, gender dysphoria is a scientific term. It's a mental condition. Confused gender. Only in this age could they come up with an idea of homosexual rights and the Supreme Court of the United States just ruled that homosexuals have rights in their Supreme Court ruling just a few weeks ago. And so we've come to another sodomite age where they tell you you are what you feel you are, whatever your truth is. And that may be so in the world at large and... and, uh, We might say, well, that has nothing to do with us, Brother Tim. But it is pressing in, as Brother Branham said. If in 1964 he identified, and I'll call it this, if you look it up in your Bibles, the smoke that ascended out of the bottomless pit as a groping darkness in these last days, he says, getting denser and denser all the time. If you've ever been in a forest fire, and I've been in them, and and whether you're driving through or whatever more, the longer the fire burns, the more dense the smoke gets. It doesn't just burn and dissipate, it accumulates. Until uh, in a fire, it's largely the smoke that kills the people more than the fire. And so we have this, this oppression that's moving in this age, that's, that's moving through the media, moving through the, the channels of communication. And I will say, if you don't know it, your young people are affected by it. They are being bombarded by it. 
And the devil is taking the thoughts that he's communicating through his vessels and trying to anoint them to the thoughts of our young people. And I'll say it might not even be just our young people around the message of the hour. And so there are, there are, this is a day when men are becoming more effeminate and young men are becoming effeminate. The Bible calls it, I think the, the, uh, the common term in this hour is metrosexual. I don't even know if that's a that's still a, a term. It's where men are so worried about their appearance and and all of their nice clothing and all that kind of thing. But that's and I want to say this morning as I start, that's not a man in the Bible terminology. All right. Men are becoming effeminate. Like I said, this is not going to be politically correct. So you might want to turn it off if you want to. But I'll go to the other side. Effeminate man is not a man in the Bible term because we're not just talking about gender here. But And I'll also say a testosterone-driven man. Going wild and doing all the things driven by manhood hormones, that's not a man either. All right? So they, and it's, and it's not even really the middle of the road. It's a different road. You know, many people like to say, well, brother Tim, I, I'm not a city type of person. I like to go outdoors. I like to be amongst people. Listen, I, I lived in the north for 27 years and I, I've been out in the wilderness and I know what wilderness experiences are. I've been in the middle of herds of elk. I mean, in the middle of them. I've been close enough to wild bear to pet them and I'm glad they didn't pet me. That's all I can say. Uh, but I've never really been a successful hunter. Didn't seem to be my makeup or didn't seem to be the way that I was allotted to be in life. But yet even Brother Branham, as he was out there in Colorado, in the Colorado mountains, as he was, uh, looking to the Lord, the brothers around him were hunting. He didn't have any criticism for that. Brother Branham himself was a hunter. But yet he himself had made a promise to God that, Lord, I, I won't kill game for anybody else. And yet in the group, there was men that were really not able to hunt. And so they said, Brother Branham, please get me this. Brother Branham, please get me that. And he was up there on the mountain where the Lord was with him. And he rebuked the storm. And he was walking down through the bush after the storm was was sent away. And the Lord said, won't you walk with me? Now there's an experience. All right. There's an experience of a son of God the way that he was meant to be. Alright, and so he's, he, he's walking down through the, through the wilderness with his God. And he says, in every manner, in every thought, it was like I was a young man again. And he began to have different thoughts of different things as he's walking through the wilderness with God. And, and he comes to a place until even he, 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 it's so dry he can hear his own tears dropping on the dry leaves. And all of a sudden he sees something moving. It's a couple, it's a doe with two young fawns, I believe it is. And as he's standing there looking at them, he thought, well, there's one for brother so-and-so and there's one for brother so-and-so. He says, but I promise God. And he says, I, I said, I won't do that no more. And, and he, he just, he just looks at them and they, they just kept coming closer, kept coming closer. And, and as they, as they drew close, he says, mama, take out, take your children out, your fawns out in the wild. And I don't have it in front of me, but he said, take them out and enjoy the wild. I'm enjoying it too. Walking with my God. And then God spoke to them, spoke to him and said, you kept your promise. And God said, 
I'll keep mine. There was a son in the image of his father. He kept his promise just like his father keeps his every promise. That's the father we're centered around. That's the one our eyes are on this morning. Not on the preacher, not on the church, not on a book, on one that keeps his promise. He showed us what a man really was. He took and made a man in the beginning, an Adam, expressed in the very image of God. He showed us a man that would lay aside eternity, that would lay aside all the treasures of Eden, that would lay aside everything in order to redeem Eve back to himself in her fallen condition. He showed us a man whose love for his wife was more than love for any possessions. Can you say amen to that, brothers? Whose love for his family meant more to him than even eternal life. Oh my, now that got quiet in here. You know, we might say, oh well, whoever's not willing to forsake, mother, father, sister, brother, all these things. Let me tell you something. If there's a true love union between a man and a woman, there's something about a man that says, I'm taking her no matter what. We'll fight through everything. We'll make it somehow. But we're going to believe this God. Like Joshua stood in the last days of his life and said, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Hallelujah. He knew where he stood. He was a real man. And there was Adam made in the very image of God. And, and then there was Christ also made in the image of God who was God himself in the fullness of his being dwelling bodily in flesh. And I was thinking about different things that can like to confuse the mind of men in these hours. Whether it be, like I said, effeminate, whether it be um, testosterone, whether it be... You know, sometimes I, I think that young men have a wrong idea of what manhood is. Sometimes I see young men like to get on the internet, and I'm talking to you, and put people down. That's not a man. I said, that's not a man. That's just a coward. There's lots of people get on the internet and write things against other people. You know, I've come to the place, uh, who am I? I don't know anything. But I'll just say, as for me, I've come to the place that I look at people that have left this message and I have one word for them. Coward. If you're watching, you're a coward. Don't don't even mistake it this morning. If you've left this message because it's too hard for you, you can't stand for the truth, you won't stand the reproach of life uh, of Christ, you're a coward. That's not a man. That's just a coward. I see people tear down other people, nasty comments, cutting somebody down. Lord, forgive me if I if I've ever I won't say if when I've ever done that. Maybe more in my youth than now, but Lord, forgive me for ever tearing somebody down. That's not a man. A man is able to take it. You know, brother, brother, uh, Michael on Wednesday, he was, he was reading about love. He says, love endureth all things. Love beareth all things. Love is not easily provoked. Actually, the word in the Greek easily is not there. That's just, that's just a, in the English translation, it actually means love is not provoked. 
You can't provoke love. This love of the Father that was in Him, that He put in Adam, that He had for His wife, love is not provoked. It's impossible to provoke love. It's possible to provoke the flesh. Hello? It's possible to press the hot buttons. Are you okay this morning? Anybody want to leave yet? It's possible to be moved by things other than love. But love will never be provoked. Oh my. I I hear that thought. But that's okay. I'll, I'll keep bypassing that. You know. I see a man that really wants to become physical. Don't worry. I'm not. This isn't the whole service. This is just the foundation. I see. Uh. Men that want to work out. I've worked out in my life. I remember a young man came to my house. With my son. And he was. I had some weights in the basement. I was trying to get into shape. You know. And I bent pressing those weights. And this wasn't too long ago. And uh, he was. Uh, this was up in the north though. And uh, he was. He was. He thought. I can do it. And he sits down. On my bench, I wasn't there, and my son was telling me about it later, and he goes down on the benches, yeah, yeah, I got it together, and he pushes those weights up, and he lowers them down, and he goes, help. (laughs) But that's not how we measure manhood. You know, it's that's not the expectation. Brother Bradham says, I've seen men that were 200 plus pounds of pure muscle, he says, with, with... Take a hold of a woman and ravish her. He says, that's not man, that's beast. Amen. And, and, and yeah, we, we all like to have a good exercise and all of those kind of things. And that's all right. But we should not, I'll say brothers, you young brothers, I hope you don't spend more time working out than you do praying. I hope you don't spend more time working out than you do in the word of God. You know, there's an aspect to it that's all right. Physical exercise, all of those kind of things. But but to be a real man is something different. As Brother Branham said, a man is not measured. It's just a saying. A man is not measured by the strength of his muscles. He's measured by the bagginess in the knees of his trousers from where he's been praying on his knees. And that's the reality of what really makes a man. You know, there was Jesus praying, the epitome of man in the Garden of Gethsemane, waiting on the Father, praying, Father, not my will, but thy will be done. There's a man. You know, a lot of times we think manhood is, I want this and I want that and here's a promise and I want it this way and I want it that way and I want it to. No, a man goes to the Father and says, Father, not my will, but your will be done. If you're willing, let this cup pass for me, but not my will, but thy will be done. Sometimes I wonder when we're continually praying for people, this is just my own opinion, but if we're continually praying for people, if we aren't trying to convince God of our will, trying to convince God of what we want, but rather sometimes, and it's not easy, I've been there, it's not easy to get down in the moment of crisis and say, Father, this is what I want, but nevertheless, it's not what I want that's important, it's what you want that's important. Can you say amen to that? That takes a man. I 
I don't want to get just exercised in my own feelings this morning. I see so much. People think they're a man because they can do something. It doesn't matter if it's sports or it doesn't matter if it's business or it doesn't matter if it's this or it doesn't matter if that's. I'll tell you what, you show me somebody that walks with God in every situation, I'll say there's a man. I look at a little man. You talk about stature. And I apologize to anybody that's ever been upset or ever wanted to pull me out of the pulpit because I talked about shortness. I apologize. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. But the great men of God, as Brother Tom said last week, generally are small people. And there was a little man in Kentucky back there called a prophet. And that man kept his promises to God. That man walked with God. That man sacrificed. He could have had a great, prolific, worldwide, popular ministry. He laid it aside. He could have, he could have been accepted in the biggest denominations. He, with his kind of gift, he could have been accepted all over the world. All those kind of things. In all of those things, he could have had it, but he laid it aside and said, not my will. I want to be what you have made and called me to be. There's a man. That's real manhood. That's what God put in the Garden of Eden. And that's what God has restored in the last days. Men who are able to stand the onslaught of the age and take the place of unpopularity. Are you with me, brothers? Willing to be unpopular in this world. Say, well, if it costs me, it costs me. But I'm standing for something. That's a man. And that's the definition of it. To be masculine is not feeding the testosterone in your body. The flesh is not your leadership. It's the follower. The soul controls the spirit. The spirit controls the flesh. Get in the soul the new birth. And when you get that new birth into the soul, then there must be a transformation. As the Bible says, be not conformed to the world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your mind is your spirit and you either have a masculine spirit as a man or a feminine spirit as a woman. And so what... So Brother Branham says even, he says, but when you're born, you're born with a fallen spirit. And so there has to come forth from the new birth, a transforming experience. Let me just read it to you again. I read this back originally when we ministered on the mind that has wisdom. Brother Branham says in Power Transformation, he says, now that we have been saved as we are, and we have been filled with the Holy Spirit as we have, Now we want the mind that was in Christ to be in us, that we might be transformed from the natural things of life and be brought in to do the perfect will of God by transformation of God's Spirit by His Word. Amen. I see one of our elder brothers up there. God bless you. I'm not going to call your name, but God bless you. He would sit down and tell you that from the time he was born again till now, he's continued to change. Is that right? Amen. It's not just the new birth solves all your problems. No, the new birth just gives you that with which to deal with your problems. 
The new birth gives you the power of divine love within your soul. The very nature of God. But that love, that divine power, the greatest power that there is, the same power as Brother Branham said, you've got enough power within you to speak worlds into existence and go and live on them. That power that lays white within you is only loosed by one thing on the basis of another thing. It's only loosed by revelation on the basis of character. That's the only way. You can get born again. And you got all the power of God laying right within your soul. But you might wonder, why am I making so so many mistakes? Why am I stumbling at this? Why am I not seeing the way I ought to see it? Why am I? Because there's something that has to take place in your spirit. That there, it has to be molded to the word of God. The mind of Jesus Christ must come in you. And that that is true for men. And that is true for women. You're still with me? All right. So the Bible says, talks about that spirit realm. Proverbs dealt with it several places. This is a merry heart makes a cheerful countenance. But by the sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. All right. So get the heart fixed and then the spirit is affected. Says a merry heart does good like medicine, chapter 17, but a broken spirit drieth the bones. Chapter 18, the spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity. That's why I always admire Brother Tom. He's dealt with pain all his life. Isn't that right, sister? All his life. I can't imagine that. But God gave him the type of a spirit that could deal with that. You see? A man's spirit will sustain his infirmity. Not all of you, and I don't think I could live with the kind of pain that Brother Thomas had to live with all these years. But God knew that he could handle it. And I don't even want to say God knew that he needed it. I'll just say God knew he could handle it. We all need something. Oh, you say, Brother Tim, does God do that to us? Paul says, lest I be exalted because of the abundance of revelation. A messenger of Satan was sent to buffet me. Amen. Is that right? He says, I besought the Lord three times to take it away. But he said, my grace is sufficient for you. Therefore, will I glory in my infirmities? When I'm weak, then I am strong. And Oh, my, all of these things. So God gives us what we have need of. And God gives us the kind of spirit to handle it. And and so what does it really mean to be a man after God's own heart? An expression of his thoughts. You won't find this in Field and Stream magazine, brothers. You won't find it in GQ, Gentlemen's Quarterly. You won't find it in the mind of a woman. Well, that got quiet. Can the sisters say amen to that? I'm not talking about the kind of man you want. I'm talking about the kind of man God wants. Even our sisters can have the wrong impression above what a real man is. That's all right. I knew it'd get quiet at times this morning. This is the nature that flows from the stream of life that has only been fully revealed in this message. I want you to think about that now. Real manhood is only revealed in this message. Because this message takes the cover off of the mind of God. What he had in his mind in the beginning. 
what he had in his thoughts in making an Adam and taking an Eve out of Adam and dividing the feminine from the masculine and putting them in the earth as two separate beings, but the two shall be one flesh. All of these great, great purposes of God. God said even to John and as he's on the Isle of Patmos and the thunders are speaking these mysteries and, and he says, John, don't write them. He says, but he says, seal them up because in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, then all the mysteries of God will be finished. Then we'll understand the hope or expectation, the reason that he put us here in a fallen condition that allowed our character to be molded, that we might come into the full image of what God designed, that he might have proper fellowship with his own thoughts. Oh my, what a message you've got. Do you realize what a great message you've got? It looses, it reveals, it unveils the very thoughts of God that he purposed in this whole entire thing. And then sometimes we as preachers say, get into the message. I'll tell you what, that doesn't even do it justice. That does not do it justice. It doesn't get into the message. Listen, the key that Adam lost in the Garden of Eden is laying right in front of you. The key to your internal desires. The key to the, your internal satisfaction. The key to bring you to the place that you always wanted to be in. It's laying right there. It's laying right there in the message. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? It's not just, I'm not just saying get into the message. That's why I'm standing up here preaching. I'm trying to bring you into that place of an insatiable desire to fulfill the purpose of God in your life. That you might desire that word. Say, God, make me what you want me to be. Amen. Mold my character. Give me revelation. Bring me into position. I don't, I don't want to, I'll tell you something. There's a, there's a brother. Uh, I was talking to not long ago. I won't say his name. Some of you know him. A minister. And he, we were talking. And he says, you know, I've been through this. I've been through that. I've been through this. And he says, I just feel God speaking to me to start a church. And, and he said, this is where I'm going to start it. I said, well... I said, that's very interesting. I says, what about those that are going to disagree with you? They think you're wrong. He says, it doesn't matter anymore. I says, what about when the hard times come? Because there'll be hard times when you start a church. I says, are you going to go back to where you're from? What about, you know, when, when uh, people misunderstand you because a minister will be misunderstood? I says, what about... You know, when you get falsely accused of things, what are you going to do? He says, doesn't matter anymore. Oh, I says, you mean to say, I said to him, you've come to the place where you're walking alone with God. And he says, yeah, I guess that's where I am. I says, good. That's exactly where you need to be. And that's where God needs to take us individually, whether we're a part of a church or whether we're well, like he was starting his called to start his own church. You know, whatever it might be, you need to walk alone with God. I congratulated him. I said, that's where God wants you to be. God wants you to care what he thinks and not what others think. Are you with me? Okay. So if there ever was an age 
that our minds need to be transformed or renewed. It's this age. Bible says in Genesis chapter 5, it says, This is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day that God created him in the likeness of God, made he him, male and female, created he them, and blessed them, called their name Adam. In the day when they were created. So the intent of God in making a single vessel with male and female was that they would be called Adam. Both male and female, not in the body, in the spirit. So I want you to, the first thing I want you to notice is that the feminine spirit is not a byproduct. Only the feminine body. Okay, number one. Brother Bram said, did you, and this is Marriage of the Lamb, 1962. Did you ever read in the scripture how that the first man made was a dual person? Adam and, was both Adam and Eve, spiritually speaking. But when he made the first man in his image, and God is the spirit. And when he put them in flesh, he separated them. He taken the masculine spirit, put it into the man, and taken the feminine spirit and put it into the woman. And when you see the woman wanting to act like a man, there's something wrong. And when you see a man wants to act like a woman, there's something wrong. So it looks like the world's all wrong today. Men are trying to act like women and women are trying to act like men. All right. So God in Genesis 2, it says the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam and he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God taken from man, he made a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. So we see the feminine spirit was already in man, but God took a rib and made another body called the female body. And that feminine spirit he put into that feminine body that she would remain feminine and man would remain masculine because God is reflecting what he has in his mind spiritually concerning himself and the church. Alright, so we're talking natural, but we're reflecting what God has in his mind. And I spent a lot of time around young men uh, trying to ground them in the word of God through different studies and different meetings throughout the years and even online studies lately and that sort of thing. And, and uh, trying to lead them to the foundation of the faith that raises the dead and heals the sick. Try and show them the faith that lays within the word of God because faith only comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Show them the way of eternal life, but only God can mold a man's character. You can't teach character. You just can't do it. Every individual must go through their own experiences, their own walk in life. And that's why even as we sit in a church like this and we look around and we see different colors of people, different former nationalities, whether it be from the islands in the Caribbean, whether it be from South America, whether it be from Africa, whether it be from Europe, whatever it might be. We see all of these different nationalities now come together and we realize that God has molded them individually by individual experiences. Can you say amen to that? God has led you individually. And so being led individually, Brother Branham says it this way in a church age book, and it's common to us, but let me read it again. Bear with me. Unless we suffer with him, we cannot reign with him. You have to suffer to reign. The reason is that character is simply never made without suffering. Character is a victory, not a gift. A man without character can't reign because power apart from character is satanic. But power with character is fit to rule. 
Amen. So then Brother Branham says in the message, Hear ye him, 1960. He says, The world's hungry to hear something real. They want to get a hold of something that's real. When they find it, they're willing to receive it, but they want something that's real, not some sham or put on. You can put together the quotes, you can put together the scriptures, all of these kind of things. But if it's not real, that is to say manifested in your life, you might say one thing, but your life says another. And we're not interested in lives that say something else. We're interested in lives of men and lives of women of God. Evening Messenger, 1963. Brother Ram says, God has always counted character, not members. And today we do vice versa. He says, uh, we count members, good dress, well pairs instead of character. That's right. Then he goes to Eliezer. Who sought out a bride for Isaac, which is a type of Brother Brown's ministry seeking a bride for Jesus Christ. He says, Eliezer sweated it out until he found character. That's right. Who would he get? And he, excuse me, he trusted God. Character for what? Character for Isaac, the bride, which was, which the church is a type of. You know that. What, that is what that was the natural seed of Abraham. This is the royal seed of Abraham. Well, if Eliezer, the messenger, hunting the bride and trying to find character, if that man is, if that man has come, a messenger of the last day, trying to find the bride of Christ, he will not look for denominational membership. He will look for character that's willing. That's all I'm interested in. I'm not interested in, you know, membership or numbers or whatever more or how many let let me meet somebody that that god has molded their character and allowed them to to receive the true life of this hour he says watch character first then get her ready to meet isaac after he found the character then get her to stand still long enough to listen to his message of isaac all right knoweth it not 1965 i'm reading several passages here excuse me we are quickly running out of time. Are we okay this morning? <laughs> I'll just say, um, Brother Tom said, someone talked to him and said, you know, because of the little children, it's so nice if you hold it to about an hour, and that helps us so much. But then I had somebody who has little children talk to me and say, Brother Tim, if we're at home, it doesn't matter how long you go because we just let the children go and we just watch the service. So which one do you believe? <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> so, oh, I, I mean, you believe them both. I'm, they're both real. I'm not saying Brother Tom's not telling the truth. I'm just saying that, you know, which way do you follow? This one or this one? <laughs> All right. And knoweth it not, 1965. Now, I'm going to read through this, but I want you to be real careful now to not get emotionally involved in it because Brother Brown's talking about things that are very pertinent to the hour that we're living in. Brother John Andy's read this quote, a part of it, a few weeks ago. And uh, But I want to read it to give you the background of it so you understand where Brother Brown's coming from. Okay. He said... Okay. He says, what are we coming here for? What are we doing are we coming here playing a game? 
Are we coming here meeting as a lodge? Christ can't come until that church is perfectly right. He's waiting on us. I believe we're at the end. He says, look at California. Look at the riots. Look at the 1900 people being killed. Racial. Didn't I tell you here not long ago that Martin Luther King would lead his people to a massacre? How many remembers that? Now, I'm not going to go in and explain this, all right? I'm just going to read it. He said, it isn't them colored people, it's them leaders stirring them up. It isn't integration, segregation, whatever you want to call it, it's the devil. That's right. Not only to the white, colored, it's all of them. It's the devil. All right, so now Brother Brown says, not just the colored people, it's the white people. Hello? He said, I'm sorry, I shouldn't, I'm getting involved in the quote now. I'll just read it. He says, uh, um, it's the devil. The mental faculties, now here we go. The mental faculties and reasons of men is broke down. There's no hopes, it's beyond hope. The whole thing is a puterated sore. He says, the mental faculties of men, they can't make decisions. Then he says, I'm not a politician, neither Democrat nor Republican. They're all filthy. I'm for one kingdom, and that's the kingdom of Jesus Christ. But did you ever see a bunch of puppets like we got there now? Like that bunch of Texans we got in there and say, whatever the people wants, if they want communism, we'll give them communism. If they want integration, we'll give them integration. If they want segregation, we'll give them whatever. It says, where, and then he says, where is men? Now notice what he's saying here now, what he's going to. Where's real men? He says, oh God, that's like the pulpit. Where is men? Men that's men that stands for a principle. Where a woman, where is women that stands for a principle? Where is a church that stands for a principle? I ain't got a nickel worth of time for wishy-washy, give-in, compromising spirit. Can you say amen to that? He says, if a woman's a woman, let her be a lady. If a man's a man, let him be a man. If he's president, and then here's where Brother John read it. He says, where is our John Quincy Adams? Where is our Abraham Lincoln's men of principle? They stood for something. He says, where is our Patrick Henry? Said, give me liberty or give me death. Where's the man that stands for what's right? Where's the man that's not afraid to speak out regardless if the whole world's against him? Speak out for what's right and stand for it. And then he says, and die for it. He says, where's our Arnold von Winkelried in this world again today? Where's our men of integrity? Where is men with spirit? They're so wishy-washy and gummed up until they don't know where they stand. God, let me stand with the principles of one man as a minister. The word of God, the word of Jesus Christ for heavens and earth will pass away, but it'll never fail. On this rock, I'll build my church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Amen. He says, let me stand. If I'm the only one standing as one man, as a minister, this is what I stand for. Amen. He says, where, he mentions three things here, and I'll mention these three things and then I'll close. He says, where's men of principle? 
Where's men of integrity and where's men with spirit? And I thought this very striking the way he said these things. Integrity is a very striking word because integrity in the scriptural meaning, it means not just innocent or uprightness. It means completeness. That's important. It means completeness. It's the idea of completeness in this that is important. It's the same word that's used, just to give you a background, when they, when the children of Israel walked through Jericho, it says the wa- walked through um, Jordan rather on the way to Jericho, it said the waters from the upper part were cut off, completely cut off from the lower part. Completely. That's the same word. It means there wasn't a trickle. It means it completely cut off. Not some, oh well, it was a little bit of this and a little, no, it was completely cut off. When Samuel visited Jesse's house, he asked him the question, use the same word. And, and he's going through all the young men there and they're all look like great young men. God says, no, 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 no. And, Je- and Samuel says to Jesse, is this all of your children? Is this your complete family? Your family is, your family cannot be complete because God said, he didn't tell him this, but God said one of your sons is going to be king and none of these are it. So this can't be all of it. And so as a prophet of God, he says, is this all your family? And Samuel says, no. He says, there's one more. He's out tending sheep. Samuel says, you better go get him. Jesse goes, sends out for him. Then he comes in and God says, now this is the Lord's anointed. Amen. There was something there that made Jesse's family complete. He was the youngest. My, what about that now? Sometimes seven children. What if he'd have stopped at six? I better not go down that road this morning. What if he'd have stopped at six? Seven made it complete. It took that seventh to bring out the characteristics that God wanted to bring out. Or you could say it took six older brothers to make David what he was. There's a lot of different ways to say character is made by suffering. Amen. You're with me so far. All right. So this idea of completeness, it's like a fabric. I've talked to a couple of brothers lately about a fabric of a life that is complete. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'll just, I'll just say it. You can kick me out later, but I, I look at brother Ed's life. As he's mentioned over the last few services, different things of how God has dealt with him of different events in his life. And he recognizes now the importance of those events. But when he was there, he maybe didn't see the significance of it because then it was just a thread. But now it's a fabric. And now that you look at the fabric, you realize that thread was very important in this fabric. That it has arrived to. I saw a little bit of that in Brother Tom last Sunday. As he was, as he's been forced, excuse me for using Brother Tom. He uses other people, for example, so I'm sure he won't mind. But, you know, he's standing up here. He's sharing his heart. Did you catch that last week? He's sharing how God's dealing with him over the last little while through this virus and this isolation and all that kind of stuff. He's had to be alone a lot more than he's used to. So when a man's alone, he thinks about, and God deals with him on things that maybe if a man was a go-getter, just go, 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 like Brother Tom is, he might not stop and think about things. But now you could see, even the way he ministered last week, he was pondering the dealing of God in his own life. 
And so it's a fabric that comes in position, especially at the end of a life. You begin to see, oh, this is what it's all about. Now we can still say, now we've come to the completeness of the ages. We've come to the fullness of time. We've come to the hour where God says now at this time in the seventh age, seven is completion. In the last days, that's when I'll reveal my mind and you'll be able to look back through the threads of my word and see the real purpose of what I was doing down through the ages. Hallelujah. We've come to the fabric, I would say, of God's redemptive purpose. Where we can look at individual threads and see how they fit together. There was a Martin Luther. Martin might not have understood his place in history. But we understand his place in history. Amen. John Wesley. We could go to Irenaeus or St. Martin or Columba. Or back to St. Paul. And, and you know they thought. Oh the coming of the Lord just can't be that far off. And we're looking for the coming of the Lord. But he was laying a foundation. He says, no other foundation can be laid than what I have laid, and that is Christ Jesus. He was the example minister. He was the example messenger. He was the example to the church in the Word of God that it's all built on faith in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. It's by faith alone and that by grace. Amen. We can see it now. But he maybe couldn't see it all then. Because he, there had to be time go by to weave the fabric, completeness. Even in the church, God says, He gave some apostles, the prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. You can't do away with preaching. You just can't do away with it. You can't do away with gathering together in these last days. You just can't do away with it. It's not easy, but you can't do away with it. I know that we're only allowed two services a month, one Sunday and one Wednesday. If, so, if there happens to be a service available after the allotted time, I think it's 9 o'clock Saturday night or 7 o'clock Wednesday morning, that you're able to get an extra service if it's available at that time. And that's not easy. And believe me, I've tried getting up at 7 in the morning trying to find a seat for my family. There isn't a seat available. And, you know, they're here today because we were able to book them in. We thank God for that. But it's not easy. But yet in the midst of all that, as we, as we struggle through and we, we wrestle through and we, we, we work and, and we labor and we, we design and we, we try and do what we can because there must be ministry. There must be the preaching of the Word of God. Hello? There must be someone, as Brother Branham says, now take these things and dig deeper into them. Now, I'm just hitting the surface of it, he says. and I'm just hitting the highlights, I think he says. And, and all of these things, what is he doing? He's laying out a message. He says, this is the mind of God revealed. But God has equipped men to dig deeper into it, he says, for a purpose. He says, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the slate of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lay in wait to deceive, says, till we all come to the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect or complete man, unto the fullness, the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We're not standing here this morning just trying to get some souls to the altar. If they're souls to the altar, they're people that give their life to Christ. That's a part of the work of the church, but that's not all of it. Right. 
Brother Brown says in these last days there must be a bride with character clothed with the word of God. Otherwise, you ever think why Brother Brown preached 1100 messages? Why preach the seals? Why preach Christ the mystery of God revealed? Why preach invisible union if, it, if all it is is salvation? If it's, if it's all just the new birth and then go on your way, why, why preach on the rapture? Why preach things that are to be? Why preach the unveiling of God? Why preach the feats of the trumpets? Why preach these different subjects uh, uh, of uh, greatest battle ever fought and wisdom versus faith and all of these kind of things? Why preach those things if it's just salvation? Let this mind that was in Christ Jesus be in you. I give you the key. I give you the title deed that you could find in there what Adam lost. It's not just a message of salvation. It's a message of sonship. It's a message of sons and daughters of God, men and women being restored back to their original position. Men of integrity. The preaching of the word is vital to that. God says to, to Abram, he says, walk before me and be thou perfect. That's complete. That's that same word. Integrity. Walk before me and have integrity. It's interesting. That's Genesis 17. It's not that Abraham didn't make mistakes. Genesis 20, he goes down to Gerir and tells his wife to say, you're my sister. And the king takes her. But God spares the king and the kingdom because of one thing. Integrity. Here's a man that's not even a believer but because of integrity, God says, that's why I didn't kill you. I'm giving you a chance to restore the man's life, wife. And he restores him and he gives him gifts and all of those kind of things. And Abraham gains wealth from it and all of those kind of things. But God blessed that man because of his integrity, even though he was not a seed. Integrity. God says to Solomon, 1 Kings 9, just bear with me a few more minutes here. When Solomon finished the house, and then it says, the Lord appeared to Solomon. And he says, I've heard your prayer and your supplication that you made to me. I've hallowed this house, which thou hast built, to put my name there forever, and my eyes and my heart shall be there perpetually. And then he says, this is powerful. And if thou will walk before me, as David thy father walked, in the integrity of his heart, and in uprightness, to do according to all that I have commanded you, and will keep my statutes and my judgments, then I will establish the throne of thy kingdom upon Israel forever. As I promised David your father. Alright, so now God speaks to Solomon. He says, alright, I've blessed you. I've heard your prayers. I've answered your prayer. I've even said, you're my son. As he called him, Jedediah, beloved of the Lord. And he, he, he says, Solomon, I'll, 
I've dealt with you. Now, if you'll stay before me with integrity. Hello, brothers. With integrity. With completeness. Stand for what's right. Eschew what evil. No wonder God looked at Job and says, Satan, have you considered my servant Job? A man that escheweth evil. A man upright, a perfect man. A complete man. A man with integrity. A man that knows where he's standing. A man who doesn't care what other people... A man that doesn't care that he loses family and wealth and houses and everything. He knows where he stands with me and he stays there. A man with integrity. Hello, brothers. I'm preaching to you now. A man with integrity. Brother Brown goes on, he says, men with, men with spirit, not wishy-washy. In other words, if you don't know where you stand, then you take on the opinion of the moment. If you don't know where you stand, I'll even say it this way, God forbid. But if you don't know where you stand, a man could stand behind this pulpit and preach something that's not right and you'll say amen to it. I'd rather see men with spirit that'll stand and say, that doesn't sound right. I'm not just saying amen just to say amen. Hello, men. I'm not just here just to be a yes man. I'm not just here just to agree with everything. I know where I stand. I want integrity in my life. Furthermore, I don't want to be wishy-washy. I want to have a spirit. I want to, I want to have a real masculine God-given spirit. You know, uh, John the Baptist, how that Jesus described him. He says, he says, what did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken with the wind? What were you thinking you were going to see when you went to see John the Baptist? Just a wind would come along and blow him this direction or blow him that direction? See, the preaching of the word is to ensure that we're not blown by every wind of doctrine. And so he says, what did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they that wear soft clothing are in the king's houses. What did you go to see? A prophet? I send you more than a prophet. But this is he of whom it's written, Behold, I send my messenger before my face. Now, before thy face. And so Jesus is describing him here. This man is a real man. This man is a real servant of God. This man knows where he stands. But then he ends up up with, but notwithstanding, he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Oh my, it's hard to put our name there, isn't it? It's hard to say, oh, is that me he's talking about? He's talking about you, brothers. He's talking about you. He's talking, I give you what you have need of to be a greater than John the Baptist. The least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. Oh my. You know, David had to deal with men that were not so. David, a man of integrity. He had to, he had to deal with a man by the name of Doeg. I don't even know if I say his name right. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't deserve to have his name said right. The man was a reprobate. The man was an opportunist. The man hung around the servant of God. The man hung around the king. He was a chief herdsman and and, uh, you know, he was, he was a yes man for Saul because he knew that he would, if he would be a yes man for Saul, then that would allow him to gain wealth. 
And he was interested in wealth. And so he, 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 he saw all of these comings and goings and he happened to be at the place as David was running away from Saul. He happened to be at the tabernacle where David grabbed the, the sword of Goliath and, and, and had took some food and ran off into the wilderness and Doeg was there and saw him there. And, and, uh, and when, when Saul said, who, who will tell me where, where David is? Who, who's lent his hand? It was Doeg that told on the priests. That said, you know, actually it was Abiathar and the priests there over at the tabernacle. They were the ones that helped David. They're against you. Because he, he knew in, in that fallen condition that he could manipulate himself into a place that, that Saul would favor him. Now let me just say something here or highlight something here. Jonathan, his own son, refused to say a word against David. His own son, with his own daddy, said, you know what? I'm not turning David in. I'm not going to betray him. David's a real man. You know, sometimes we got all kinds of things that we want to say against somebody that'll make us feel better. Sometimes the person's only way to lift themselves up is to tear other people down. I say, shame on them. That's not a man. A man will try and build somebody else up. A man will try and encourage somebody. A man will try and hold somebody up. And sometimes it's not easy. But it takes a real stalwartness of a man to say, you know what? I got nothing to accuse David of. But Doeg wasn't that kind of a man. And in, in, in Psalms 52, you can read it when you go home. David prophesies of him. He says, lo, this is the man that made not God his strength. But trusted in the abundance of his riches. And strengthened himself in his wickedness. There you go. In Psalms 52 you'll find David writing about there. Brother Branham says lastly. He says men with principle. I'll close on this thought. Because there's a principle behind what we do. Men with principle. Yet I'll say. Yet still being men. How could I say it this way? I guess I'll just say it the way Brother Bradham said. He says it's ridiculous to look at the way that women dress today. I'll pause for an amen. I'm not talking about believers. I'm talking about the world. Brother Bradham's talking about the world. He says, I'm not talking about Presbyterian Methodists. I'm talking about you holiness women. Hmm. Go down the street and he says, I have a little cross hanging in the front of my car. And somebody said to me, he said, Billy, you know, that's a Catholic emblem. He said, when did the Catholics have the option on the cross? He says, that's not an emblem of Catholic faith. That's the emblem of Christian faith. He says, the cross represents him who died and rose again. And I said, I keep looking there, looking on the street 25 years ago or 30 when I was almost blind. I promised God. If he'd heal my eyes, I'd look at the right thing. I'm just letting this sink in, brothers. We're living in a very evil time. He says, and I said, to everywhere you look, it's so ungodly. Women half-dressed, naked women laying in the yards and everywhere. I look at the cross instead of looking. And remember that what Christ did for me... And turn my head to the things that's of the devil. Can you brothers say amen to that? Talking about principles here. 
Brother Branham did not say he didn't see it. All right, I'm not becoming legalistic here and I don't want the devil to take it like a knife and use it against you and twist it in you because you will see things you don't want to see. Brother Bram says it's all over the street. Well, how did he know he's all over the street? He says he saw it. How did he know there's women laying in the yards? Because he saw them laying in the yards. How did he know that, that they're half naked? Because he saw them half naked. How did he know that? But he says, but what I will do as a son of God, I will turn my head. It's hard to believe, Brother Tim. Isn't this kind of elementary that what you're preaching on? It needs to be preached. It needs to be said. And it needs to be reminded there's a younger generation growing up. It does not come, brothers, just by the fact that you're a man. As a man, John was warned in Revelation chapter 17. This is what started this whole subject. In Revelation chapter 17, he's warned. I'm going to show you the judgment of the great whore. The one that's full of the blood of the martyrs. And I'm going to, this, this woman of blasphemy, I'm going to show you this woman. And so John sees this woman and the Bible says he wonders at her with admiration. Hello? He's a man. And in a vision, he sees a beautiful woman, deceptive. There's something in a man, Brother Branham says, when a man looks at a woman, it can't help but anoint his masculine nature. It's the way that he's made. But where's the men of principle? That when they see something they know is not of God, they will turn their head. Every man ought to say, Amen. There's a reality of a battle of manhood. He says, he talks about going down the road one day and sees a young girl dressed in a bikini and he says, I better, I, I think I might go talk to her. Then he says, I thought, no, I better not. I'll just go up here on the road and pray for her. Someone see me stop and talk to her. I better not do it. Why? Principle. Say, so, well, I was just witnessing to her, brother Tim. Principle. He wouldn't stop, talk to her. He would look bad. He says, I'll go over here and pray for this girl. He says, now listen, you sons of God, you get in the same place. Those Jezebels of the day will play up to you. But a thinking man will think first. She may be so pretty. Oh, you might say, I, might, I can make a hit with her. It, but it'll cost you your soul, boy. Some of you girls to these Rickies. Thinking man's filter produces a holy man's taste. You married men. When you see that, now this isn't 1948, this is 1965. I hope you understand what I'm meaning. This is in the last few months of his ministry. He's warning men. Even if you're a son of God, if you're a real man, the devil will try and get you. Hello? Let's be men of principle. Let's be men of integrity. Let's be men who have a spirit for God. He says, he says, when science said, made the women look so pretty in the antediluvian world until the sons of God looked at the, took the daughters of men, not daughters of God. God never did forgive it. They destroyed, they destroyed the whole things. And then he says, it'll cost you your home. It'll cost you your position. It'll cost you everything you got. Listen, I, I was just reading this this morning before the service for the second time. And I just, I just felt like God was telling me, read this. It's for somebody. He says, he says, it'll cost you your home. It'll cost you your position. 
It'll cost you everything you got. Besides that, your soul, it'll break up your home. It may have another man raise your children or another woman raise your children. Brother Bram's just laying it out and I say, run! Don't mess with it, run from it! Because the devil will try to destroy. He's going about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Be men. Men, be real men. Be real husbands. Be real fathers. Be real daddies. Be real brothers. God's purpose was to divide himself. Think about this now. As we come to a close, musicians can come. God's purpose was to divide himself as he was alone with his thoughts before the foundation of the world. And as he's in his thoughts, he says, I'm going to retain, I'll just call it the masculine. But I'm going to raise up a people in whom I'm going to put the feminine part of myself. Just like he divided Adam. Because I'm going to send my spirit into these people. That's what I want to speak on next week. Because he had a purpose. So that it will be at the end of it all. I won't be complete without them. And they won't be complete without me. Hallelujah. Neither one is complete without the other. But when they come together. That's why Brother Bram talks about when two omnipotents meet. Then nothing is impossible. He laid out his promises. And there we see the masculine nature. The promises of the masculine towards the feminine. How that the husband will make his her life. And how he will perform his duty. And how he will take care of her. And how he will provide for her. And how he will be the one that labors. And how he will be the one that makes the sacrifice. Are you listening brothers? How he will be a man. A man of principle. A man of integrity. A man with spirit. God says that's what I am. And that's how I made my son Adam. And that's how he'll be. And that's how I made Christ. And that's how I will make my sons. They'll be real men in the hour that they're living in. Samuel said to to Saul. When Saul grabbed his mantle and rented in. Samuel said, so has the Lord rent the kingdom from you. And furthermore, he says, the strength of Israel will not lie nor repent. For he is not a man that he should repent. God doesn't make mistakes, but you will. And that means, I don't like to use the word real men. Brother Branham used the word real men. Real men know how to admit their mistakes. Are you still with me, brothers? Real men know what it is to say, I'm wrong. Forgive me. Don't grow up in a culture that says, I'm the man. I'm the king. I got lots of quotes here where Brother Brown says, a man needs to be the king of his home, but that doesn't mean the woman's a doormat. He says, that's not what it's about. But a real man, if we, we just don't have time, maybe we'll carry on a little bit as we mingle the two together next week. Lord willing. 
But a real man truly is a man with integrity. A man of principles. And a man with some spirit to him that knows who he is. He subjected us in hope or in an expectation that there would be an end result. We have arrived at the expectation. There's no excuse not to be a man in this hour. All that Adam had has been restored to the church. You want to know how to be a man? It's laying there. Pick it up. Search it out. Ask God. If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives abundantly. And may God remove from our men every worldly idea of nonsense and bring us into the image of Christ Himself. Amen. Amen. We sang a song earlier, My Hope is in the Lord. Let's stand together. I stand in awe within the presence of the Lord. Of the ages lie. For whom the raging of the sea subside. preach the subject you can go throughout the scripture and see these attributes in real men you can see a shamgar about whom little is written but now you can see a man that stands up and says you know what I'm not cowering no more I stand for something I believe God's word I believe this is my land and though it cost me my life I'm standing here. 
And he took that ox goat and God anointed him. And he slew those Philistines. Why? Because God had a position for him that he would back it up. Another one went out into a field and held the field of lentils against the enemy. Another one jumped into a pit and slew a lion. Another one did this. Another one did that. Another one rose. There was a Jeremiah who was in the church and the church had gone sideways. And the church says, ah, we don't need that hard preaching no more. And Jeremiah stood for God. Says, God has spoken to me. Though it cost me my life, I'm staying with what God has spoken. I'm standing for the word of God. He wasn't interested in compromise. He wasn't interested in being wishy-washy about it. Neither was he interested in being popular. He wasn't interested in great big revivals. He knew it would be a lonely position. But he stood. And Ezekiel stood. And Daniel stood. And the three Hebrew children stood. And everybody else says, bow their knees. What an age. Babylon. Everybody in this hour is saying, bow their knee. But you still see the odd man out there in the midst of these so-called riots or whatever they are going on out there. Other people are saying, bend for this political slogan or that political slogan. Bend to show your agreement with us. I saw a clip of one man, black man standing there. Police officer says, I only bow to Jesus Christ. Glory! A man with a principle. I don't know where he stood. I don't know what kind of church he goes to, but he had a principle. I only bow to Jesus Christ. And you can hear on the background of this video, I thought, God bless him. Uh, you can hear on the background of this video, people saying, Amen. That's right. There's a mob there. They were threatening him. You bow. Everybody else was bowing. They were all bending the knee to the, to their political ideals. Let me tell you something. Back in Daniel, I don't even know why I'm on this subject. Back in Daniel, there was a political ideal called a statue. And they say, everybody needs to bow to this political. Listen, it might be one idea today. It'll be another idea tomorrow. And they say, everybody has to bow at the sound of the music. Everybody's got to bow. And the music played. And everybody bowed. And the whole crowd kneeled down. And there was three of them standing there, real men. It might cost us our life. We might have to burn. But we're not going to bow. Listen, saints, it's more than being popular in this age. There's more to it than meeting the mob mentality. There's more to it than just going along with whatever it is. It might be peer pressure at school. It might be the workplace. It might be whatever more it might be. I'll tell you what. Stand for God's word. You'll never regret it. You'll never regret it. Because he'll make sure that all of your needs are met. Don't worry about anything. He's in control. Amen. My hope is in the Lord. From this time on, Let's sing, I stand in awe one more time. I stand in awe within the presence of the Lord. 
together as I was sitting in the office before the service I thought what kind of a song would go with this kind of a message it's not going to be an easy light or an emotional service it's going to be a challenging service as I was sitting there I thought you know I think I pledge allegiance would be a good song And then Brother Michael, the last song that he sang before I came out, when he called me out, says, we need to sing I Pledge Allegiance to the Lamb. God knows what He's doing. And as we bow our heads tonight, or today, brothers, I'm talking to you. I don't care how old you are. David was 16. And God called him a man after my own heart. I challenge you. That's what I'm here for this morning, to challenge you. This maybe isn't your usual emotional type service, but I challenge you. Who's going to be a real man in this hour? Who's going to stand for his king? Like David, saying, who will bring me a drink of fresh water? Not me, but the king of kings. Brothers, if you're here this morning or maybe you're at home, pondering these things. I know these things deal with men. You sisters may not fully exactly understand why I went different ways this morning. But I say to you brothers who will stand and say I stand for the principles of this message. Your commitment this morning you might say well I've committed myself to the Lord many times. But like the brother said I go to church just to let the devil know what side I'm on. If you're on the Lord's side why don't you just confess that in some way to the Lord this morning? Say, Lord, I'm, I'm going to be a man for you. I'm not going to let this age influence me. I'm not going to let the wishy-washiness or the femininity of, of masculinity or all of those kind of things influence my life. I want to be what you want me to be. And I may not fully understand it, but I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better father. I want to be a better brother. I want to be a better son of God this morning, oh God. Take the word and and mold my life. Renew my mind. Renew my spirit. And put the mind of Jesus Christ in me. Why don't you just confess that before the Lord as we pray. Heavenly Father. Lord, these things are real. As we stand in this late hour. We can see the pressure of the ages building. We don't know what it's building to. And we don't care. Because if God be for us, who can be against us? Lord, we stand with you this morning. 
Some have gone to the right or to the left. Some have listened too much to the world. Some, Lord, have tried to mix in worldly ideas into what a man should be, a father should be, a homemaker, a leader of the home, a high priest of the home, all of those things, Lord. But, Lord, I want to confess in this hour, Lord, I don't care what it costs me. I want to be a man of God. I stand with my brothers here this morning and out over the internet and wherever it might be. I stand with them say, I'm standing for the Lord. I'm standing for the word of God. If I'm wrong, I'll admit I'm wrong. But if I'm right, I'll stand for what's right. And I'll stay with it no matter what it costs me. Heavenly Father, you see their lives. You see their testimonies. You see their confession, O God, this morning. We give ourselves to you, Lord. Take the service this morning, maybe a little bit different. Lord, I I would call it maybe a maintenance service. Something just needed to be said for somebody that the devil was working on. Now, Lord, take them and place them in the right channel and allow them to be what they were meant to be. We give ourselves to you. We love you, Lord. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for the revelation of the word in this hour. We commit ourselves to you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Let's just sing the chorus of I pledge allegiance to the Lamb. I pledge allegiance to the Lamb with all my strength, with all I am, I will seek to honor His command. more time together. Oh, I pledge allegiance. I will seek to honor His command. I the Lamb of God. Oh, to the Lamb of God who bore my pain. Yes, Lord. I will seek to
Is that your confession? Amen. With all my heart. With all I have. God bless you. Greet one another from a distance. It's good to be with you in the house of the Lord. God bless you each and every one. We love you and pray that something said this morning will be an encouragement for you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. Thank you.